This episode of Serverless Chats is sponsored by Off by None. This week, I chat with Nofar Asselman about building a business around serverless. This is Serverless Chats, episode number 87. everyone, I'm Jeremy Daly, and this is Serverless Chats. Today, I'm speaking with Nofar Asselman. Hey, Nofar, thanks for joining me. Hi, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. So you are the VP of Business Development at Epsigon. So I'd love it if you could tell the listeners a little bit about your background, what you do at Epsigon, and what Epsigon's all about. Yeah, absolutely. So actually, I started in my past life. I was um, an attorney. I work on a, in, a, in a big law firm. And this is where I understood that it's fun to work with startups from the legal side, but I, I wanted to move to the business side. And this is where I started my uh, startup journey. And today I work at Epsigon, uh, where we help uh, microservices customers to adopt microservices uh, in confidence while providing them really seamless uh, experience in monitoring their microservices uh, architectures. Awesome. All right. So one thing that's really interesting about what Epsigon does is Epsigon has built a business around sort of the serverless ecosystem, providing uh, a solution for serverless, uh, for, for people who use serverless or are trying to build things with serverless. Um, and I think that's really fascinating because serverless has become obviously you know, quite a buzzword over the last few years. Uh, and a lot of people will stick the word serverless in their, uh, you know, in their uh, product title or in their description somehow. Um, but what I would love to talk to you about is this idea of actually building a business sort of for serverless, right? So building something for the serverless ecosystem, whether that's, you know, a tool, whether that's, um, you know, some, so uh, some sort of a thing that makes it easier for you to, uh, to monitor or build new things or whatever it is, but something that is for the serverless ecosystem. Um, and so, you know, you have a ton of experience in this. So uh, I'd love to get your perspective, but maybe we could start just sort of like, what is the current state of the serverless market from a business perspective? Yeah, so I think that serverless is definitely growing. Uh, I'd say that uh, it's not growing as, as, as fast as we thought it would grow, but I think we see more and more companies uh, leveraging serverless uh, technologies to really achieve business agility and go to market faster. But I think if, if 2020 was a year where we did see you know, an uptick in, in customers that are leveraging um, serverless, in 2021, we'll see that in a, um, you know, in a higher scale, just because I think that last year there were still some challenges around tooling and expertise that was still missing from right. lots of organizations. Um, and there are so many great tools out there now um, that helping these customers to, to leverage their, um, you know, um, their um, technology using serverless and really um, meeting market demands and, and meeting their customers' needs uh, smoothly with serverless. So I think this year would be uh, significant in terms of uh, serverless growth. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think that is something that we've seen a lot of is there's been a lot of complaints that, oh, serverless is uh, it's not easy to adopt. It's sort of a change in, in mindset in terms of how, you, you know, again, maybe need new tooling. Maybe we need new uh, monitoring tools. Maybe we need other solutions that help us do serverless, certainly need education and training. Um, so. Do you think, though, that with the growth of the serverless market, that there that there are opportunities for tools and solutions and things like that? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I do think that you know building solutions around serverless is super important, and uh, you know if we're looking long term, that's definitely the technology that um, um, will you know be the ground of of many companies that we use serverless um, architectures. Uh, but I think today, um, if you, you know, and that's what we, we, we did in Epsigon, so I'm not very objective. You can see what we've done in Epsigon, where we started to build a serverless solution, uh, serverless monitoring solution, and then we expanded the product to also include uh, containers and microservices. Right. Because in the end of the day, when um, customers are moving and uh, are moving to microservices and to more modern applications, 
Um, they would most likely to use serverless, but I wouldn't uh, count on that they're going to use 100% uh, serverless. So you do want to provide them with seamless um, experience and solution that they can use as a one-stop shop to their distributed applications. Right. Yeah, no, and I think that that's, uh, that's a really good point because you haven't seen many shops that are like 100% serverless, right? There's a lot of this hybrid stuff that's going on. Um, I mean, I've talked to several of them, you know, whether it's uh, Liberty Mutual that's trying to go 100% serverless or Lego, who I think is 100% mm -hmm. serverless at this point. Um, and, and so if you're building tools to support you know, the 100% serverless companies, right, then, um, you know, then are you sort of limiting your opportunities there? I mean, like you said, you know, with, with Epstagon shifting over to Kubernetes or uh, expanding, I should say, uh, to support right. that, there's been a few monitoring companies that have expanded in that direction as well, went from serverless as a start, then they then they went into the uh, sort of broader container market. But then there are other, other services and solutions and tools that have stayed just focused on serverless. Um, and then you've had a bunch of other monitoring solutions and other tools that were not serverless that have worked their way back to serverless. So I guess, you know, is is the is the market big enough for serverless specific tools? Or do you really think you have to take that approach where you where you broaden and, and sort of look at that hybrid market? Yeah, I think it's a great question, because in the end of the day, if you're only doing serverless, you're probably going to do it better than others. Right. But if you're expanding, so, uh, you know, the market is, is larger than it used to be. Um, so. I do think that if you're expanding your offering, uh, you're definitely gonna, you know, increase the the market that you can approach. But if you are keeping, you know, want to focus on serverless, uh, I think you would need to pay attention also to uh, product integrations and and you know finding partners right. that can uh, complement your solution uh, in order to again to provide the customer with with a better experience of using one tool or one interface instead of, you know, multiple platform in order to, um, you know, if it's monitoring or security or deployment. Um, so I think that's super important because in the end of the day, when, when customers want to, leverage, want to leverage serverless and they want to uh, benefit from business agility and, and so on, um, you, you don't want them to spend so much time on, on you know, tooling and, and all of those things. You want to help them to, you know, to bring value faster. Right. No, no, no. I, I totally, I totally agree with that. And I think that's one of those things where, um, you know, some of the companies that are coming top down uh, for this, they are sort of adding, it's an add on, right. And so again, there's a lot of this traditional mindset where it's like, well, here's how you do traditional development. Here's how you do monitoring and deployments. And here's how some of these other things work. Um, whereas when you take it from the other side of the equation, when you look at it from just the serverless specific, there are things that are done in serverless that are so different than the way that we do them with, you know, a traditional application um, that uh, right. I do agree. I think that, you know, focusing on serverless um, could give you sort of a, a leg up, but it, you, you do need to identify the right customer um, because they need to be someone that's sort of willing to experiment with, um, you know, with new tooling. Right, right, definitely. All right, awesome. So uh, what I want to do is I want to use your expertise here and, and pick your brain a little bit because the, the point of, I think, this episode is there are a lot of people who are building uh, products with serverless, but they're just building them with serverless. So again, I want to focus on this idea of building products for serverless, like things that, you know, layer on top of it, things that, you know, other solutions, other services that, that might uh, aid you in your development of serverless or your ability to maintain and manage serverless or even to educate people on serverless. So um, let's start with maybe this idea of um, of how do you find the right contact person in a company you're trying to sell to. Now, I'm not a salesperson. I, I don't think you're a salesperson either. Um, but uh, but like I I just I I hate selling things. I'm not a I'm not a huge <laughs> person trying to sell things. So uh, this is a this is an awkward conversation for me. Um, but I do find that you know if you can find the right person in the company, and and maybe that's not the right specific person, but just the right level of person, um, and you can strike up an authentic dialogue with that person, then you know selling becomes less about selling and more about helping. Um, that right. maybe a little altruistic um, from the from the sales side of things. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so if you were trying to get into a company um, that was building with serverless, so where would you, you know, who would you start with? Would you try to target 
developers? Would you try to target senior leadership, like the CIO, CTO level? Um, would you try to go like maybe VP of engineering, like mid-level? Like who's the right person to target for a serverless solution? Yeah, I think it uh, really depends on the customer, um, you know, serverless journey or where the customer is in, in, you know, in which stage of adoption the customer is. Because it really, you know, early stages, let's say, um, if, we, if we look on, on AWS uh, serverless, where customers uh, um, using Lambda, but not more than, let's say, $1,000 per month. So there you would see that um, most of the customers or most of the users would be developers. This is going to be the main, uh, you know, point of contact for you. Uh, the motivation there is more of uh, tooling um, and, and, and really improve the developer's uh, experience. Um, but then if you're looking at a company that is, is a bit further in, in, in that journey and uh, looking from $1,000 and let's say up to $5,000 um, more or less, this is mm -hmm. where uh, the company is starting to scale on serverless and then the needs are different. Uh, then the needs are more uh, to reduce total cost of ownership in the, in the short term, um, DevOps needs and so on. And there, the main point, point of contact that I would approach would be, you know, mid-level, uh, director of engineering, um, uh, people in, or, or uh, uh, cloud architect leads, right. uh, this kind of... Uh, um, Personas, and then if you are going, you know, up than uh, more than uh, five thousand dollars per month, I'd say this is where the CTO is uh, is getting involved. This is where the total cost of ownership in the long term is is more, uh, you know, the main motivation for for you know that this adoption. Right, I love that that level breakdown. That's uh, that's actually kind of helpful. Um, so so you mentioned though customer like where customers are in their journey. Um, so so that's a, I think that's another question. Sort of like I I've been involved in a lot of startups. Um, I've unfortunately had to be involved in some of the sales uh, processes for uh, for startups because as a technical person I would come in and uh, sort of do evaluations and things like that. Um, and I know for one uh, trying to sell into an enterprise can be very very long and lengthy the process, whereas sometimes startups are a little bit faster to adopt uh, technology uh, and, and try something new. Um, Mid-market or mid-sized companies, you know, there's always a sort of a crapshoot there in terms of uh, how quickly they will move and, and how many layers of, um, uh, I, I guess, red tape that they have. Um, but I'm curious, like, what would be, um, you know, what would be the 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 size company that you would think would be best to target like should you you know if you're building a new product for for serverless should i start with the startups and and try to target those companies uh or should i shoot for the moon and go right for the enterprise customer yeah definitely i mean i, I would say that it's really you know uh depends again on on the consumption of, of serverless among the the customers but where we see most you know um or where we see the need of, of monitoring for serverless, we obviously see it among startups, right? They're cloud native, born in the cloud. Um, usually they, they use serverless from day one, and this is really our bread and butter, right? Um, so definitely startups is, is the main audience for, for, you know, for, for the cloud native, um, uh, in the cloud native uh, space. Mm -hmm. But then you also see enterprise customers that are starting to leverage serverless technologies really to, you know, again, to, to improve agility and to reduce cost and to, you know, um, uh, reduce overhead from their teams. And you see that they're starting to have more and more projects of where they use serverless and, and also containers, but serverless in particular. Um, and, and once they see success there, they, they, this is where you see more projects that are involving serverless as well. I, I can give you an example that we had uh, a, a win with one of our customers with one team in an enterprise um, company. And then within three months, we already had two upsells to the two different teams that just saw the success and replicated that. So that's that's exactly you know how enterprise they are moving slow, but when they are moving, it's with you know at scale. Uh, so this is why I love also working with enterprises because when they see the value uh, and you have one success uh, in in with one team, 
it's it's so much easier to work with um, with other teams in the company as well. Yeah, no, I think that makes that makes a ton of sense. I mean, and that's the other thing with enterprises too is that now with all these different business models or or organizational models that are used, um, you have these little you know project teams that are a little bit independent. They're like startups within a larger enterprise, and uh, and if those can start adopting you know a specific tool or or some other solution that uh, uh, getting the rest of the company to sort of I guess pile on or or to uh, adopt that is uh, is a is a good possibility. So that's always a good tactic. But again, it's about identifying companies and figuring out uh, you know figuring out which uh, which companies are doing which. But that actually that actually brings me to another question. That I think is kind of interesting when it comes to this. Uh, um, you know, it, not a ton of people are, I, I shouldn't say this, I, a lot of people are using serverless, but a lot of people are sort of dabbling in serverless. They're not full on serverless, you know, using it every single day or whatever. Um, and I guess, you know, my question is, if if you're building a new serverless company, uh, and you're trying to target people with this, you know, do you want to try to sell something to someone that isn't using serverless or do you want to try to sell something to someone that is using serverless like if you're if you're already using serverless is it it, it seems like it's an easier sell to sell them a serverless solution um, as opposed to trying to sort of create a market yeah i think you know creating a, mar- a market is super important but if you are building a company around serverless and you do want to you know to make you know the profit out of it i would say that waiting for customers to adopt serverless and you know sort of educating them and and um convincing them to to move and and uh you know adopt serverless that will take you a lot of time you know to see any any value out of it um i do think that education is super important um but i think that targeting customers that even if they've just started but you know they're already sold on their serverless idea and they already see the value um, I think this is where you, you know, in my opinion, to put most of your focus on to educate them how to they can take this, you know, just initial adoption and, and scale that. So I right. would focus on, on these kind of customers. Right. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, I see a lot of blog posts of people who are starting to use serverless. Um, and it's amazing that they they're either trying to do things themselves and they they're not aware of the larger ecosystem. Um, you know, and again, there's so much content out there about um, you know how to use serverless, how to build, you know, how to how to monitor, how to do you know distributed tracing, how to uh, do deployments, canary deployments, all those kind of things. Uh, and I see a lot of people reinventing the wheel. And I, I think a big part of that, like you said, is sort of this lack of education. Which I mean, that's another thing where if you're a startup and you're in the serverless, uh, you know, in the serverless sphere here, and again, I think this goes for any company that's in any new emerging technology market or something like that, you know, participating in the community, being someone who's out there, um, you know, whether you're just doing webinars or you're posting videos or you're writing blog posts or you're going to conferences or contributing to open source, things like that. I think that's really important. I'm just curious your perspective um, from a from, I guess, a business development standpoint. How important is that that as a new company in some ecosystem that that you get involved in the community uh, and that you contribute to the community and try to help educate? I think it's super important. Uh, I'm a huge believer in, in communities. I, I run a community of, of AWS partners. I write blog posts about things that I'm doing when it comes to cloud alliances and how you can grow your business uh, with cloud alliances. So I think that in, in the serverless space, there are so many, you know, the community in the serverless space is, is just amazing. You are playing a huge part of it. And, and Farah Campbell as well, uh, doing such a great job. Uh, in, in really educating and, and the market and showing that you don't need to be an expert in order to leverage serverless. And that's awesome. Um, and I think that going to conferences uh, as, a, you know, as, as a customer that wants to, want to leverage uh, serverless or as a company that builds uh, a solution around serverless, going to these conferences like serverless days uh, when, you know, in the past life before COVID, uh, right. but serverless days, you know, AWS um, uh, reInvent and, and uh, all this, all, you know, any summit that is really technical oriented where there is a huge focus on, on, on serverless, uh, that's definitely where I, would lo- where I would go. And also this is a great platform for you to meet potential customers, to learn about um, challenges that they experience and how you can actually be uh, more helpful to these kind of companies. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I can't stress that enough. I mean, one of the things that's been great about Epsigon and a lot of the other companies in this space is they've helped create um, the community. I mean, they've, they've built, you know, they've, they've run the conferences, they've, they've done the webinars, they, they've flooded, um, you know, flooded things with blog posts. And the other thing I love is, I mean, I think AWS, um, you know, Microsoft, even Google, they do a great job of writing articles and creating content around, um, you know, their particular products and services. But I know for a fact that, you know, any article that comes out of one of those places goes through multiple layers of review and everything has to be just right. And you don't get, you don't get the criticism. You don't, I don't think you get the breath of fresh air where someone says like, oh, well, this is great, but, uh, and you don't always get that when you don't have sort of independent voices. And even if an independent voice is selling their own product, even if you're selling your own monitoring service or your own deployment pipeline or whatever it is, your own CICD service, um, regardless of whether you're doing that or not, at least when it comes to the technology itself, the overall technology being serverless, I think you've got more honesty there, which, uh, to me is super important because again, I love serverless. I I build as much as I possibly can with it, um, but it's not a silver bullet. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Something will go wrong, but you do need to have the right tools in order to, you know, overcome them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Totally agree. What's great about Epsilon as well is that, you know, we are talking in every single conference that we can and, and our, you know, our CTO, our CTO Ron is in AWS Hero. AWS Serverless Hero, and, and when he talks about observability uh, within serverless applications, he would talk about Epsigon, but in the end, he will first educate you about right. the challenges, how to solve them with open source tools. Um, so I think that market education um, uh, is very, very important for every company that is you know, building product in this space. Yeah, no, Ron and Nitsen do a great job and your team is, uh, yeah. your team is, does an excellent job for the community. So uh, that is, that is definitely much appreciated. Um, all right. So we, we talked about education as being one of the challenges. And this is just sort of a, a larger, uh, a larger problem, I think, with just people understanding serverless or what they may need for serverless and things like that. Um, but there's also education in terms of educating people on your own products. So like you said, with Epsigon, uh, you know, you'll, you'll educate on sort of the, the, the problem itself and then educate on how your solution helps that. So that can be done through blog posts and those sort of things as well. Um, but what about things like brand recognition? Like, I mean, how big of a challenge is that for you know, a, a new startup in the space? It is a huge challenge because when you're just starting your business, um, you know, specifically, especially like two years ago, nobody really knew what serverless is. And then you're coming with a product that is helping to you know, monitor serverless applications. So that's de- definitely uh, challenging. You want to gain, you know, brand recognition um, to get credibility. Um, so it's really, you know, this is where we also use the community and we open our product for, you know, a free trial. So companies and customers would, will be able to see the value for themselves. Yeah. But I would say that the number one strategy that we had in order to improve our brand recognition would be, of course, you know, um, doing marketing events, but also working with strategic partners like AWS. And, you know, one of the examples that I always give is that uh, about a few months after we, we went GA with, 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 with the serverless solution. Uh, so we, we just started the, the AWS partnership and uh, we were launch partners of Lambda Layers um, that was right. uh, introduced, uh, was announced in 2018, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden, um, in reInvent, we see Epsilon's logo in, in uh, Martin Vogel's uh, keynote. Right. Um, one uh, out of nine names out there. So all of a sudden, from you know a small company that nobody knows, we are on the main keynote at reInvent, uh, and that just changes everything. Um, so I think partnerships plays a huge role uh, when it comes to brand recognition, uh, and of course, you know AWS wouldn't just do that without validating our solution and right, you know right. vouching for us. So that's definitely, um, you know, a great way to to improve the brand uh, awareness uh, and recognition. 
Right. Yeah. And I guess this probably ties in because uh, I think the def- definitely the route that you went with uh, with being a, an Amazon partner or part of the Amazon partner network or APN, um, you know, that that was that was hugely um, that was a very, very wise uh, strategic move. Um, because the other thing I mean, this is just other challenges I think about, like if I'm starting a technical company, um, you know, one of the things that that you probably need to do if you're dealing with the cloud and you're dealing with serverless, because you're likely not building your own serverless solution you're building something on top of, you know, sort of standing on the shoulder of giants, as they say. Um, So you might be building something on top of AWS, which means you might need to access um, you might need to access data within their AWS cloud, or you may ask them to create, uh, you know, roles or or security tokens that allow you to to access their systems and manipulate things, maybe even deploy things to their systems. So that's another thing. Like, uh, you know, and again, maybe APN is part of it. That the the partner network is part of it. But how do you, um, you know, how do you build that trust for one? Um, and then maybe to extend that even further, how do you deal with you know people that are asking for um, you to be compliant? and have, you know, all these, you know, global compliance uh, issues that would probably pop up, especially if you're dealing with something like enterprises. Yeah, I think that, you know, in order to be enterprise ready, um, you have to comply and, and you know, uh, and achieve all sort of certifications like HIPAA and uh, ISO and um, SOC2 and so on. Right. Um, so that's definitely needed. Um I, I don't know an, an enterprise that would work with you without um, these kind of certificates. And of course, you know, meeting the AWS best practices and well-architected, um, and that's, that's another thing that really helped us to, um, you know, to improve the way that we operate. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, and that's, that's the thing too, is like, you're right, with enterprises, it would be really hard for them to say like, you know, like, well, we're not PCI compliant. We're not, you know, and again, if you use a lot of those other tools, you leverage the existing services that, uh, you know, AWS has or Microsoft Cloud uh, or, uh, yeah, Microsoft Azure, uh, you know, some of those other companies have, um, then right. then you get a lot further than you would if you were just building your own data center, um, but, still, uh, but still definitely a lot to think about there. Hi, everyone. I want to take a minute to talk to you about Off by None, a weekly newsletter that I publish focusing on the technical details of building modern applications in the cloud. When I started Off by None over two years ago, it was my way of sharing the things I was reading, things I was interested in, and really just all the amazing stuff I saw happening in the serverless space. Now, over 125 issues later, it's grown to be more than just a bunch of links to incredible content from the community. It's become a way to bring the serverless community together. As I've been working on Off by None over the years, I've increasingly found myself prioritizing how I can use the newsletter to grow, engage with, and involve the serverless community. Sharing articles is great, but how can I use the space in your inbox to connect you to others, to help inspire your next project, and to encourage a space where people can work together to build some really amazing things and maybe even change the world in the process. That's why I wanted to use this opportunity, this time we have together on Serverless Chats, not only to invite you to sign up for the newsletter, but to ask you to submit your articles, your serverless stories, the events you're hosting or attending, and most importantly, submit your feedback to continue to make the newsletter better each and every week. And if you know someone from the serverless community that's doing amazing work, you can nominate them as a serverless star and we'll feature them in an upcoming issue. It's important to me that I share fresh voices and fresh perspectives from the serverless community, whether it's through this podcast or through your inbox. So if you're interested in serverless and connecting with the serverless community, please check out Off by None at offbynone.io. So maybe maybe we could talk about the partner thing for a minute because that was I think a really good and brilliant move um, you know by by Epsigon early on is to say we want to be part of you know this larger network so that you know we get our name injected here and that we get these certifications so that when it comes to asking you know who do we choose for this that uh, at least your name is on the list you know whether it's at the top of the list or not at least it's on that list. Um, so how how did that happen? How did you go about that? Like what what's the you know? I mean, I I get the thinking behind it, but what was sort of the the process that you used to get to that point? Yeah, I think that what um, you know the process was that I joined Epsagon. We were like three months before our product was GA, and I was thinking, okay, how can we you know get more exposure? How can we get customers? Um, 
And I was starting to think like, if we're gonna, okay, if we're gonna approach different companies, um, they don't know us, right? Um, right? So that's really difficult to convince them, hey, you should listen to us. Hey, um, we have an awesome product. Um, and then I just uh, tried to think, uh, my potential customer, who, uh, who would have, you know, um, um, these kind of customers in common, right? Who would have uh, the same customers that I'm uh, looking to have? Um, so of course, the, you know, the first uh, name that pop up to my head is, is AWS, right? Because, you know, when, before we, we expanded our offering to, um, to Kubernetes and, and containers and, and to Microsoft as well, uh, so we supported AWS Lambda. So naturally, our customers would be AWS customers, right? Right. Mm -hmm. um, so that was okay. That makes sense. But then, okay, how do I start to actually partner with a giant like AWS? I mean, how do I navigate this forest? Um, and we we just you know I just started to see what kind of programs I can leverage and and try to also I think the main thing that I did was to connect with the product teams there, uh, really to understand uh, if if they do see the value in Epsagon, um and and really to build a better together together story uh, as as really Epsigon is enabler of of you know adopting um, serverless applications. So I think that um, as an enabler, we were able to, to see, you know, the co commitment from AWS as well and support that helped us through uh, our journey um, and, and growing our business in the first years. Yeah, no, and I mean, and that was one thing too that was uh, was very interesting from the beginning. And I, and I know AWS provided a lot of support for monitoring companies and for that, you know, you know, being able to do distributed tracing and things like that, because AWS just didn't do an excellent job at that. And there's still a lot of gaps um, in their in their solution. So um, having the ability to sort of expand that to to their partners, I think was, uh, was very helpful for them as well. So if you can ever find a way that you can help AWS, uh, it, it seems as though that uh, many of these Many of these cloud providers will take advantage of, um, you know, of, of your offer to help um, and and being able to kind of fill some of those gaps is definitely a way, uh, definitely a way to do it. So yeah, um, and it's it's a bit tricky as well because lots of companies would have a product that most likely will compete with a product that AWS has, right? Because mm. AWS has lots of products. Uh, so I wouldn't worry too much about that um, because in the end of the day, you need to to you know, to understand what is the focus of AWS. Mm -hmm. um, for us, it was, okay, the focus of AWS is the monitoring piece or the serverless computing piece. Right. Um, and, and when, you know, obviously it's the serverless computing piece. So if they do provide some sort of monitoring, we definitely can provide uh, a solution that can complement this solution and not necessarily compete. Uh, so that's definitely something that I recommend to take in mind because Lots of uh, founders have like, you know, oh, I don't want them to steal my idea. I don't want them to think that I'm competing with them. Right. Um, I wouldn't worry too much about that. Right. Yeah. And actually, I, that is a great point. And I'm glad you brought that up because this is one of those things where I've talked to so many. I mean, I've been doing this for a very, very, very long time. So uh, I see all these new things, you know, pop up on Product Hunt or whatever. And uh, and I'm like, none of these are new ideas. It's just somebody figured out a way how to execute them. Um, and that's one of those things where, like, if you have a good idea, you know, everyone has good ideas. I'm sure 100 other people have the same exact idea as you. It's just whether or not you can execute it. Um, and that's the other good point about, um, you know, just about dealing with uh, or, or with competing with AWS. AWS is likely going to build a solution so that their customers have a one-stop shop to sort of solve maybe 80% of the problem. Um, but for, for most customers, there's always a better solution out there. Um, and so I, I do think, and maybe this, again, I think you maybe have already said this, but your advice is if, you're, if, you're, if you think you're competing with AWS, try to figure out exactly why AWS might be competing with you. Um, and if it's something you can compete with them on, which is, you know, again, better developer experience, uh, you know, just better tooling, uh, easier to use, things like that. Um, your advice is, you know, go for it, right? Yeah, it's really depends on the product, but most cases, yeah, I would say go for it because in the end of the day, uh, you are, you're going to do it, it much better because this is your entire focus, right? 
Um, right. So you, re you really need to ask yourself, is that the focus of AWS or not? Right. Yeah. No, great advice. Um, all right. So speaking of advice, here's what I'd love to get from you. So anybody who is, because first of all, I want the market to be flooded with serverless products, right? Deployment engines or uh, monitoring solutions or whatever they are. I mean, maybe not monitoring solutions, you know, we don't want to get in Epsigon's <laughs> way, but, um, but, you know, just things that, you know, more solutions out there, um, because I think the more tooling you have, the more product offerings you have. Now, again, not all of them are going to succeed, um, but the more that you have out there, it just sort of, uh, it, it just, I, the rising tide raises all ships sort of thing. Like the more people hear about it, the more these solutions advertise, uh, the more people figure out why serverless is amazing and hopefully, you know, more people adopt it, which again, start buying the tools and then it keeps raising, you know, keeps raising those ships. So um, what would your advice be to people who are just getting started? Like what's the, what's the first step? So I just came up with an idea or I'm, I'm in the process of building this product right now. Um, what, uh, what's the first step that I do to try to, you know, to, to start up my sales cycle and, and get some adoption of my product? So I think, um, you know, collaborating with, um, with partners would be something that uh, I would do um, right at the beginning, um, identifying the right partners um, that will help you to, to get in there, uh, really to, to put the foot in the door in companies that you probably would not have access to, especially the enterprise uh, customers, because startups would probably adopt your solution, even if they don't really know the company and mm -hmm. even if they say okay maybe they will not be here tomorrow but i don't mind uh, it's not such a huge commitment for me but if you're looking at the enterprise customers i think this is where you would need a partner to get in especially at the beginning um and really identify who's this partner who's this partner i mean uh it can be a cloud vendor it can be an isv uh, really depends on on the product that you're selling and trying to think of, okay, let's let's think about our my next customers. Uh, which kind of tools are they gonna use? Which kind of vendors are they gonna use? Um, and really to start crafting your uh, partnership um, strategy. Yeah. No. And I think a big part of this too. Um, you know, just my own advice is relationships. Uh, and I know that's probably a little cliche to say, but uh, you, you start making friends, go to these conferences, whether they're online or whatever, you know, start following the people who are in the space, um, get involved in the community, write some blog posts. Um, you know, again, we, we talked about that earlier. Um, but once you start making, you know, once you start making friends and you start making contacts within the industry, um, the other thing is, is that you can leverage those partners pretty extensively. I mean, if you find a consultant, for example, um, that you can sort of sell on your product and show them why your product is amazing or whatever, then hopefully for their consulting clients, they would say, there's this product that, you know, that I use or that I really like. And um, that's something that I, you know, that I want to use. Um, so again, value of relationships, uh, you know, again, we're both not salespeople. So um, it's sort of, yeah. uh, it, it's sort of uh, hard to give you overall sales advice, but I guess uh, <laughs> development or, you know, uh, sort of business development strategy advice, I think, uh, I think uh, the idea of partnerships uh, and, and just making connections is a, is a huge deal. Definitely, definitely. And always think how to, how you bring value rather than, okay, how do I sell my product? Right. Yes. Um, you know, about like a year ago or so I was thinking, okay, how can I help customers? If I was a customer that is just starting, you know, using serverless, why would I need to know? Uh, and I came up with the idea, okay, let's do a session about best practices. And then I mm. talked to Stackery back then and I talked to uh, PureSec back then. Uh, you know, providing uh, security for serverless and, and deployment for serverless and said, okay, let's, let's do, you know, uh, an event with 45 minutes about monitoring, development, deployment and security. And let's see if, if you know, that will be interesting for, for serverless customers. And we've done that with AWS. Um, and all of a sudden we had more than 100 people registering to the event and we had to, you know, to, to stop the, the registration. Uh, and, and you've seen that, okay, there is a demand for this kind of content. Uh, so that was a great uh, way to understand how you can actually bring value to the customers.
Right, right. Yeah, and I think that's one thing about content creation that uh, is kind of funny. I think we we get into this thing where like we discover something really interesting, like some really cool way to do X, Y, Z, um, and then we write a blog post about that. And for people who are in the ecosystem who are already using serverless, they might come across it. Maybe it's a problem they're having and they find it. But from a more global education standpoint, there are a lot of really good but also a lot of really bad what is serverless posts and videos out mm-hmm. there. So, um, so yeah, having a nice sort of like holistic overview of, uh, of the whole thing, I think is super important. Um, so one thing that I actually wanted to ask you about, um, uh, and this just, again, goes into, I think, setting expectations. Um, so it's a long journey, right? If you're building a serverless product, if you're building any product, um, don't expect to, you know, be financially independent overnight and, you know, be buying mm-hmm. a private island. Um, it's going to take a long time. It's a, it's a long journey. Uh, you know, you've really got to uh, work at it. You've got to make those partnerships. You've got to put the work in. You've got to, you know, to do that to grow those, to grow those uh, relationships and grow those customers. Um, but just maybe another expectation that I think. Maybe somebody who's like, oh, well, I'll just sell this to enterprises. Um, uh, an expectation that not mm-hmm. all, everybody has uh, or yeah. an expectation maybe they do have is that, it, you know, it's just it's like selling to anybody else. But enterprise sales are a long and sometimes painful slog. Sometimes it goes faster, but uh, I'd love to just sort of talk about the enterprise sales cycle for, um, you know, for a service like this, especially a software service and and what that typically looks like and maybe you know from your experience how long that typically takes yeah definitely enterprise sales is uh is a bit more tricky than uh, i'd say uh, than startup sale obviously um uh, the challenges are different uh it takes a lot of time you know from one call to another to a poc to someone to sign the contract, it takes a lot of time. You need to, in some companies, you need to on to be onboarded as a new vendor. Right. That that can take like another nine to twelve months or so. Uh, so you need to be patient, and uh, you know you need to find your champion in inside the organization. Yes. That's for sure. You want someone to be your advocate uh, internally there. Um, and I think that another thing that you can definitely leverage, um, something that we did was uh, to use marketplaces. So if, if this customer is, is right. already paying to Microsoft or paying to AWS, you can save a lot of time in, to, you know, instead of onboarding, as a, to be onboarded as a, as a vendor, you can just leverage one of these kind of uh, marketplaces. And for us, it saved a lot of time. I, we had one particular customer that said to me, one, the champion there told me, you know, if, if it wasn't for the marketplace, we probably would not move forward with you because it would take uh, about 12 months to move forward with you. And I would probably just ditch you guys. Sorry. Right. Uh, right. Uh, so we were able to move, you know, pretty fast. And when I'm saying, when I say fast, I, I, I mean, about two months, three months uh, for an enterprise deal, let's say. And and it can be longer. It's only, yeah, it can be longer than that. Specifically for security tools, uh, it can be like six months, a year. But for us, I think uh, the average would be a few months. I'd say the longest was, uh, I think, five months, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Um, yeah. I mean, something like that. Yeah, no, because that's that's just one of those things where... um, it can be, there's a whole process to it, right? And it's, and once, once it's sort of, and it depends on how big your tool is, what it is. I mean, again, some companies have the ability to just, you know, sort of make those self-service purchases and then uh, those get boiled up. But if you're adopting for an entire company, you know, depending on what right. it is you're building, uh, it can get really complex. But you mentioned the idea of identifying a champion. This goes back to relationships, right? You find one person that, you know, sees you speak at a conference or, um, you know, or just happens to read one of your blog posts and comments on your blog blog posts and you can start it back and forth with them. Having somebody in a company though, that, uh, is advocating for you is a, uh, is a hugely important step because enterprises have no problem sort of pumping the brakes on things and slowing things down. If somebody internally, uh, is not, um, uh, is not pushing on the gas. And again, there's no, again, I'm not criticizing enterprises at all because they are big, heavy machines that have a lot of moving parts that, uh, you know, make it sort of difficult to, 
to navigate sometimes. So having that champion, I think, uh, is hugely important. And then the other thing you said, uh, this is another really important thing, is onboarding. Like, how easy is it to get your solution into that company? Uh, and I know that you know when Epsigon first launched and, and other uh, you know other uh, monitoring tools, Lambda was limited. There was no such thing as layers, right? You didn't have custom runtimes. You didn't have the new right. extensions API and things like that, which meant that. In order for you to, um, in order for you to instrument your functions, you had to actually put code within the function itself. You had to put a wrapper in there, exactly. um, and some of that got easier over time. I know the serverless framework did something where, like, they would automatically wrap your functions and things right. like that, which was great. But now, you know, but then it went to just layers. So you add a layer, and then suddenly you get this capability. And now with you know the extensions API, it's it's even more amazing. But yeah, I, that, I think that is a a huge thing to think about is to say, how hard is it for me to enable or turn my product on for a customer? Yeah, definitely. I think that for every you know partnership, I always divide it into three, uh, co-sell, co-market, and co-develop. Uh, so there are mm. lots of things you can do under the co-develop category where you actually can bring more value to your customers. And, and, and the extension and Lambda layers um, you know, are great examples for that. I remember that, you know, when we did the Lambda Layers integration and all of a sudden our users, um, the, the number of users uh, that actually completed the onboarding was just amazing. It went up, uh, you know, within a week just because it was so much easier for right. them to, to onboard to the platform. Uh, so th those kind of integrations are uh Super valuable, uh, where where you, if if it helps you really to you know to cut the onboarding time significantly, uh, so that's another thing that you know a, a partner can really help you to to achieve, um, in while while working with with serverless customers. Yeah, I oh, love it. That's a, a great uh, just good advice there. So pay attention. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, if you're building a business, that, that, is, that is absolutely huge. So, um, all right. I, uh, while I have you for a few more minutes, I have a couple of questions that we actually got from the listeners. Um, and uh, if you are a Serverless Chats insider, you can go to serverlesschats.com slash insiders and you can ask questions of our guests. Um, and we will try to read them uh, and get the insights of brilliant guests like Nofar here. Um, and one of the questions that we got was uh, about... Um, just whether or not serverless might have been a trend. And, you know, several years ago, I know you joined a few months before uh, Epsigon went GA, but, um, you know, how did you deal with the possibility that serverless might just be a trend? I mean, how did Epsigon deal with this maybe? Um, you know, that that you say, well, what if this goes away in three years? I mean, you made a massive commitment uh, to right. back serverless. Right, yeah, it, it is definitely, you know, seems like a trend sometimes where every single company is saying that they're, you know, hey, we support serverless as well. Uh, and, and in the end of the day, when you're starting to use the product, you understand that the support for serverless is very, very limited. Uh, but I think that, you know, the way that you can use serverless technology and the, and the value it brings to customers, I think that's uh, so significant that more and more companies will definitely adopt serverless. And as, as time, you know, as, as we move forward and, and as time pass, more and more companies get more expertise. Mm -hmm. uh, you see more and more, uh, uh, you know, jobs uh, where the description is saying, hey, we need, uh, you know, expertise in serverless. Uh, so I'm, I'm really happy to see that because you see that the market is going to this direction. I also had the conversation with one of our customers that said that they actually, one of the reasons that they migrated to serverless uh, it was because they wanted to attract, um, you know, brilliant developers to the company. Uh, mm. So that was uh, an awesome thing to hear. So I do think it's uh, it's here to stay and it's here to grow, hopefully, um, uh, significantly. Um, but I do understand why why it might seems like a trend, at least at the right. beginning, where you know, you hear serverless in in every in every direction. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that was funny too. The first time I sort of came across it was with Lambda in early 2015. And I remember wow. just thinking, um, when I first saw it though, I was like, this is, this is something there's something there, there. Um, you know, and it was, uh, uh, it was just one of those things where for me, I was like, there's no way this can be a trend because if this works, if this works 
the way that it's supposed to work and it continues to develop out, I just feel like this is this could be the way that we just build things from now on, exactly. or at least how we build things in the cloud. So, um, all right. So another really interesting uh, question here was if you go back to the origins of Epsigon, um, you know, where did you know why why did you decide that Lambda was the uh, the right target to start with? I think that Ron and Itzan, the founders of Epsigon, uh, they have a uh, a very strong technical background. Both of them went uh, were in the uh, one of the elite intelligence units in in Israel in the IDF. So uh, Ron is really uh, very geeky. Where one of these guys that started to code uh, when they were four or something like that, and both of them uh, recognized that there is uh, something new serverless and it's actually very very different to understand what's going on in your application mm. when you are developing uh, in, in serverless you know the most natural thing to understand how different events are you know correlated that's something that is very difficult to achieve and you have to do a lot of manual work to have this kind of understanding um, so they they investigated and saw this problem also in in you know in in container based applications and, and microservices in general, but they saw that in serverless it's so much more painful because everything is managed um, and you don't really have control. You cannot simply you know install an agent and see what's going on. Um, so this is where they started to play and and in the end of the day they built Epsigon entirely on on serverless. Um, so they definitely understood the problem as, as they move forward um, and say, okay, I think we know how to solve it. And mm -hmm. today we actually, I'm happy to, you know, to update that we also have a patent around how we actually provide observability oh, wow. on, on the tracing, uh, a U.S. Uh, patent on that. So that's, that's huge, right? So you see that there is a, a way that you can actually make things much more easier uh, to manage and you can adopt serverless in much of, you know, much easily uh, with these kind of tools. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good point. Um, all right, so last question: If you could do it all over again, and I don't know if you can answer this question, but um, if you could do it all over again, would you stay with initial targeting for serverless and then expand to containers, or would you maybe have done it the other way around, or done both at the same time? How would you how would you have done that if you if you were able to go back in time and, and do it again? I think it's a good question because in the end of the day, you do want to have one product for modern applications. So whether you're starting with serverless or containers, um, I don't think it's necessarily um, make much of a difference if in the end of the day, we, you do provide a solution that is a one-stop shop for modern mm -hmm. applications. Um, so even if we would start with containers and move to serverless, then I, I don't think it would make much of a difference and we've seen that pretty early, um, you know, back then when we, you know, launched our serverless product, we immediately saw that, you know, there is a need for Kubernetes, for ECS, for microservices in general. And, and we just implemented the same technology on these kind of environments and, and launched, um, you know, another product really to uh, provide a complete solution for these kind of uh, environments. Awesome. All right. Well, Nofar, thank you so much for joining me and uh, sharing all this information. If uh, if you are thinking about starting a, uh, a serverless company that is targeting serverless users, um, you know, hopefully you got uh, you got a lot of value out of this. But um, but there was a lot of good advice, a lot to unpack there. Uh, if you are if you are doing <laughs> this, so um, if you uh, or if uh, listeners want to uh, maybe reach out to you, no far and uh, maybe pick your brain a little bit more, or they uh, you know they want to find out more about Epsigon, how do they do that? LinkedIn or Twitter. Just ping me and I'll be happy to chat. Awesome. All right. And then you can go to epsigon.com and I will put uh, your Twitter. Um, uh, you also have a blog, nofar-asselman.medium.com. Yeah. Uh, nofar mm -hmm. So I will put all of that in the show notes. Thanks again, Nofar. Thank you, Jeremy. That was fun. See ya. And that's this week's serverless chat. I want to give a huge thank you to Nofar Asselman for being my guest this week. If you want to check out the show notes and a full transcript of this episode, you can find them at serverlesschats.com slash 87. For more serverless chats, subscribe, sign up to be an insider, check us out on YouTube, and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. 
You can connect with me on Twitter, at Jeremy underscore Daily. And if you want to keep up to date on everything serverless, make sure you subscribe to the Off by None newsletter at offbynone.io. Thank you so much for joining me, and I look forward to chatting with all of you again next week.